Welcome to TCN Talks. The goal of our podcast is 15 to 20 minutes of relevant, need-to-know information to help you in your role as a hospice, palliative care, and serious illness leader, and for the team at all levels of the organization. Our goal is concise and relevant information because brevity signals respect. And the bookends of our podcast are always something to make you think deeper about life, about our topic, or both. And now, here's Chris Como. Hello, welcome. Before we get started today, I want to thank our sponsor, Delta CareRx. Delta CareRx is our title sponsor for our TCN Leadership Immersion courses throughout all of 2022. Delta CareRx is the premier vendor of TCN and all of our members, providing pharmacy benefit management services that allow their clients to experience deep discounts utilizing preferred local network of pharmacies that can provide same-day delivery when necessary. So thank you to Delta CareRx for all the great work that they do for our hospice movement and for all of our TCN members. By the way, I want you to please subscribe to our podcast so you, that way you don't miss an episode. And wherever it is, on your favorite platform, Spotify, Amazon, uh, Music, Apple Podcasts. And if you like what we're doing, give us a thumbs up. We sure would appreciate it. So our guest today is Christopher Morissette. He's the Chief Operating Officer of Serious Illness Care and Chief Strategy Officer of Telias Collaborative Network. It's great to have you, Chris. Hey, Chris. Glad to be here. Excited to spend the next few minutes just talking about healthcare, my experience, and, and healthcare innovation, really where the serious illness uh, space is going in the future. Awesome. And we'll tell our audience, what do they need to know about you first? Well, most people who know me, Chris, know that I'm a person of adventure. It's actually a core value. Uh, really, this is how I've approached much of my healthcare career as well. Um, I actually started my career working with adults who have disabilities, developmental disabilities, as a program counselor in college. And this remains still one of one of the highlights of my career. Um, I also have a younger sister who was born with a disability, and I really saw just how the resilience and strength in those who have disabilities um, plays out as they you know, overcome challenges related to everyday life, you know, things that you and I may just take for granted. Um, after college, I went on to uh, spend some time in student ministry and then um, as well as on the mission field, you know, taught English in China for a while. Uh, and then I returned actually to ACR Homes, the organization where I started my career. And I, do, I just have to recognize Jim and Dorothy Nelson, uh, the founders of ACR. I owe much uh, for the early opportunities in my career. Um, I really saw innovation play out in their organization. And uh, while at ACR, you know, I had the opportunity to be a part of launching a residential care assisted living model, start a home care. Uh, partner with a new home-based primary care model, uh, and then really saw firsthand how these current serious illness models of palliative care, home-based primary care, and hospice could really make a difference in the lives of those with disabilities as well as older adults living with serious illness. After ACR, I transitioned to uh, be a, a, on the starting team, founding team of a new hospice called St. Croix Hospice, which uh, was an exciting venture all in its own. Uh, St. Croix remains one of the largest privately held hospices in the Midwest. And then I left St. Croix to keep a promise to my wife. Um, as you know, we were uh, born up north, and my wife always dreamed of moving south where it was warmer. And so uh, one winter, she called that card, and uh, I kept that promise. We ended up moving south to North Carolina, where I spent some time as a long-term care administrator, uh, and then joined Four Seasons, where you and I met, and uh, I guess you could say the rest is history. 
<laughs> it seems like you keep going further south, Chris, now that you're in Georgia. So I, I guess your wife keeps making you keep that promise over and over again. You know, one of the word I love that what you said earlier about adventure. And so it does seem like your path has been an adventure. But there has been, it feels like, a very common thread just to see how you've woven it all together in your role now within TCN. Um, but I know you're a guy of passion and a guy at heart. So why don't you share what gets you up in the morning? Why do you do what you do? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think it was Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey who was credited with the quote, there's not a greater gift that you can give or receive than to honor your calling. It's why you were born and how you become most truly alive. And I've sort of seen this play out in my life. You know, my calling is people, um, really to advocate for justice, to pursue excellence, be an agent of change and innovation, and, you know, ultimately to leave an impact. And so I found healthcare to be really this mission where all of these aspects of my calling uh, can play out. And so now that still may be a little theoretical, but let me make it real. What gets me up in the morning is the thought of over 45 million Americans being underinsured or uninsured. Um, the healthcare disparities that continue to play out, you know, there's really five that we identify as, you know, race, ethnicity, gender, sexual identity and orientation, disability status, geographical location. And so, you know, we think about America being, you know, a world superpower, an economic superpower, one of the most developed nations uh, on the planet. We've got a lot of work to do. Um, the other side, Chris, is just the economic impact. And, you know, th these are things that you and I talk often about, but, you know, it's projected by the year 2030, which felt like a lifetime, felt like something made of movies. You know, think about back when, you know, Back to the Future and some of these movies came out um, when we were growing up, uh, 2030 just seemed like an impossible. It's right around the corner. I mean, we're eight years away, less than eight years away. And so the economic impact, you know, to demographics alone, um, listen to this, beginning in 2030, it's believed all baby boomers will be over the age of 65. This will really expand the aging older population to one in every five Americans is projected to be at retirement age. The gross domestic product, so that which we spend on healthcare related to the amount of exports, um, in 2020 hit 19.7, and it's expected to grow. In fact, 19.7 was up by about 2% over the last, the prior 10 consecutive years. And so this is a big deal. We have a lot of work to do. The other statistic is just the U.S. national healthcare expenditure reached $4.1 trillion in 2020, uh, and it's expected to grow to $6.2 trillion by 2028, according to the, the Center of Medicare and Medicaid Services. And so this growth of over 50%, if we apply that same calculation to the gross domestic product, we're looking at a quarter of the U.S. economy spent on healthcare for a product that's not even good. Man, that, those are great points. And I love the term that we keep using because to me it's a way of encapsulating what you just said. But the silver tsunami is upon us, which is a great analogy. And then I always quite often maybe ask people, think about if your portion of your paycheck, let's say up to 25% of your paycheck, was eaten up by your health insurance costs and that each year it's increasing to get up to a quarter. That'd be untenable for most people at a personal level, and that's where we're headed as a nation. So those are great challenges, Chris, but I wonder what does that have to do with kind of your passion and where you're spending your time? Are you working on those problems? Well, we are. We are. And I think, you know, one of the other just realities is, Chris, we're in this what's called the sandwich generation. Um, 
having aging parents and pre-adult children who both require support. And so the reality is everything I just shared, the burden is falling on those that are in their early 50s, 40s, and probably 30s at this point. It's projected that you know more than a half of Americans in their 40s and early 50s, roughly a quarter of the population, are really sandwiched between aging, aging parents and their own children. And so we're going to be watching this tension play out. The current and future realities play out right before our eyes. This current reality of high cost, poor quality care impacting our parents and the future reality that this trend line of spending is gonna put an economic burden on our children like nothing seen before in the US or in the globe. And so you and I have coined this term, the future future explains sort of this existence beyond the foreseeable future. So think about a, the world that our grandchildren will inherit if we don't do something different. And so that's really where we begin to apply strategy. Well, why don't we take it beyond economics? I, you know, kind of was thinking, you know, you and I both have pretty big families. I've got five, you've got three, you guys have had foster children. So we're doing our part from that perspective, right? But to just take it beyond the economics in terms of some of the work that you're doing and what you're working on. So when we think about serious illness care, it's really the, the services provided to those that are seriously ill. It kind of explains in itself. And so the CDC reports that 75% of all healthcare costs are related to serious illness. So diseases like chronic conditions like heart disease, cancer, mental disorder, pulmonary disorder. And so this is really where we build our services around and support. Seven out of 10 deaths occur in the US, US based on these chronic diseases. And this is obviously pre-COVID, of course. Um, and, you know, I think one of, the, one of the services, the beautiful service of hospice, something that you and I have spent much of our career really championing. And what we're seeing, even though it's now pushing 40 years, is a benefit. So, again, just a brief explanation, hospice is a benefit to Medicare beneficiaries, those over the age of 65, that have a terminal illness uh, for six months or less. Interdisciplinary team, which means chaplain, social work, nursing, physician support, bereavement support for your loved ones after you pass. Uh, it seems like a no-brainer that people would want to take advantage of this free benefit that's a part of their you know, Medicare services. However, NHPCO reports only 50, about 50% 50 of Americans who are eligible for hospice actually utilize hospice last years of life. And so these are some of the challenges that we have as we sort of foster the future of healthcare and how do we solve for this problem. You ask me what gets me up in the morning and it's really solving this problem. I mean, at its core, I believe that human beings are intrinsically valuable. I believe that healthcare is a right. And as a nation like the United States, a world superpower, a world economic power, a developed nation, we'll be held accountable for how we treat the marginalized. That's directly applying to low income, people with a chronic illness. And so believe that you and I, people like you and I, uh, and many listeners today are the stewards of our future generations and we must leave the world in a better place. And so my purpose is to really enhance the healthcare experience for those with serious illness, to improve the quality of those services because excellence is a core value uh, and to expand access while is stewarding the cost because we have got to do something about the cost. That's good, Chris. What, what, I think this would be a good point to go a little bit deeper into what is your role at TCN? So as the Chief Operating Officer and Chief Strategy Officer of Serious Illness, I'm responsible for supporting really our Serious Illness service line. So everything pre-hospice. We have a beautiful team led by Janelle McCollum that has been on this podcast before. Uh, and so we partner as TCN to really um, innovate service lines, as well as supporting the operations uh, of these serious illness practices. Uh, 
Some of that is the reimbursement strategy. And so as we sort of look at the future landscape of how healthcare is paid for, again, remembering that one of my cause and purposes, but as well as really one of our strategies is to reinvent healthcare reimbursement. Uh, and so we spent a lot of time on that, you know, looking at how do we sort of reshape and really prove the quality of the services we're providing. And I had the opportunity to, you know, work with some of the leading thought leaders in this field, uh, the field of hospice and palliative care, field of serious illness care, and really lead our team in doing some really innovative work, like launching home-based primary care practices, um, innovating around care management, uh, the use of technology and how that can support. So it's an exciting role, exciting opportunity that we have before us. You keep using the term and you kind of defined it earlier, but I think it'd be a good point right now. How do you define serious illness care? That's a great question, Chris. I think we are on a journey. Um, we'll call it as a, an industry and, and maybe a market segment within that industry, hospice, palliative care, serious illness care. Um, serious illness care really encompasses the services provided to those with a chronic illness, like we described. So typically heart failure, pulmonary issues, cancer. Um, and it's a combination of what we would call service line verticals. So things like home-based primary care, a complex care management, palliative care, um, and then also hospice. And so we really look at what is that full, we call it continuum, sort of from the moment that an individual is uh, prognosticated or the moment, that's a very healthcare word, so I'll break that down, the moment that an individual is diagnosed uh, with a serious illness all the way through the point uh, where, you know, they, they pass. And so that serious illness continuum is, is where we at TCN spend a lot of our time and effort trying to innovate and, and bring new solutions for the future. You keep using that word innovation and I like that term, <laughs> you do what you always done, you get what you always got. But why is innovation so important for healthcare, maybe especially now? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, there's a, a term, um, I learned it early in my career, even spending time in ministry, and we see this in healthcare as well. It's called the sacred cow syndrome, right? So we do what we do, and we always do it because it's the sacred cow that we want to protect and preserve. And so I, I learned early in my career, sacred cows are meant to be uh, become hamburger. Um, and so, you know, we need, to, we need to constantly be reinventing the way we go about approaching strategy, the way we approach delivery, the way we approach quality um, services. It's if we don't continue to innovate, we'll be stuck. Um, and, you know, we call it stuck in a rut, right? We, we, and we just, as, with all the statistics we just discussed, we, we just don't have the luxury of that anymore. Maybe once upon a time it was okay. Uh, but the burden that we're challenged with is to really, how do we change this paradigm? How do we influence the future in a way that allows individuals who have this serious chronic illness to have access to better care at a cost that's not going to bankrupt them or our economy? Now, you've used the word palliative care, and then you've used serious illness, and now we just talked about innovation. But what is palliative care, and what role does palliative care play in innovation and solving the future that you painted earlier about the silver tsunami and the rising healthcare costs? Well, palliative care is a beautiful service that has emerged, and we would say even some of the, the people like Dr. John Morris, Janet Bull, that we have the opportunity to work with um, are some of the early inventors of this care. Um, palliative care is typically um, a medical model and a social model combined, where it's a combination of a physician, an advanced practice provider like a nurse practitioner or a PA supporting the complex medical needs of patients, again, with a serious or chronic illness, cancer, COPD, 
heart failure tend to be the the majority of the the illnesses that we support. Um, and then that's combined with really good quality discussions of care, advanced care planning, um, understanding of disease and accepting of disease. And so palliative care is this beautiful skill set that is uh, applied with a medical model to help support patients to really get the care with, that they need at the time. Um, and then a part of that is transitioning through that continuum, we, as we've discussed. And so palliative care providers become really that guide uh, and what we call an extra layer support, whether that's to the patient, to the family, uh, or to even the other healthcare providers. So the home, the primary care, uh, other specialists like an oncologist. So palliative care really becomes almost that special team uh, guiding the patient through that very difficult season of their of their healthcare. What about technology? What role does technology play and what's going on in serious, serious illness care and also palliative care? So I think we said we had about three hours for this discussion today, <laughs> no, right, Chris? Unfortunately so, not, but we could. <laughs> well, so actually technology right now is um, really being used as an accelerant to move healthcare forward. And so we're starting to see things like remote patient monitoring, um, telehealth, a virtual model of care, um, really be able to expand access to care uh, and do it at a lower cost. And, you know, again, I, I spent the early part of our discussion today throwing out statistics and I won't bore listeners with more, but there is a lot of great data out there to show the, the how technology can lower the cost uh, and increase access to quality care. And so we're starting to utilize things like remote patient monitoring, a, a virtual palliative care model um, in Telios and supporting our members, and we're really seeing the impact of that. You know, COVID, um, you know, obviously was a huge impact, had a huge impact negatively on the country uh, around the globe. But one of the things that we did see as a positive um, out of COVID is uh, CMS, Center of Medicare and Medicaid Services, allow for more use of telehealth and telemedicine. Uh, and so there's a lot of technology being birthed around how do we have that continue? Because again, it does allow us to extend services as we mentioned. The other challenge is workforce. We talk about that often. Um, we're seeing that play out in every industry across the, the nation, across probably the globe, but particularly in the United States, it's it's a challenge. Um, and so we have to think differently. If again, the statistics are true that, you know, we're gonna see the majority of our population or a significant number of our population requiring care and services, we're, we're not gonna have the bandwidth or the personnel to be able to provide that service or care. And so we're gonna to have to leverage technology to be able to have the That's impact. good, Chris. Now, just in closing thoughts, can you weave it all together? You've talked about serious illness care, you've talked about innovation, you've talked about powder care, and then you just talked about technology. How does all of that weave together to work on that broad problem that you shared about the aging of the population, um, how those folks are consuming more and more healthcare costs? Just weave it all together in your closing thoughts. Yeah, and so I, I'm really encouraged by some of the work that I've seen out of CMS um, over the last several years. And so innovation, uh, and some may know that, you know, out of the Affordable Care Act, um, CMS launched an innovation arm, the Center of Medicare uh, Medicaid Services Innovation, CMMI. Um, and so they're doing some great work around innovation. But, you know, ultimately, at the end of the day, when we come, when we look at services needed for, for patients, for individuals with serious illness, this looming economic, you know, 
challenge we have, the workforce challenge, I think a lot of it comes down to um, the quadruple aim. It's a, dis it's a term that was really coined in the Affordable Care Act that sort of evolved from what was a triple aim now to a quadruple aim. Uh, and it's really how at TCN, we've really sort of framed the way we approach care. And it's really looking at the patient and the experience of their care. A patient who has a good quality experience is going to be more engaged in their services, um, and they're going to take a more active role, as will their family. Um, it looks at access to care. And so as we look at, you know, expanding access, a part of that is quality. Uh, technology plays an important role, as we've just discussed. It also has an impact around uh, the, the cost of care, because, you know, that is not why people go into healthcare. That's not why physicians go through seven years of medical practice um, is to be focused on the economics, but we can't take our eye off that ball. And so we have to be aware of how are we providing service in the most cost-effective manner. And then there, the fourth part of the quadruple aim, you know, was added a couple of years ago, and it's really focused on engaged providers. And I think we, we've expanded that to really include the workforce, because if we don't have the nurses, the social workers, the CNAs, the community health workers to be able to support the patients at the bedside or in their home where majority of our patients reside, um, we're not going to be able to deliver service. And so really pulling it all together as we look at the role of healthcare providers like those that we support in TCN, it's engaging the quadruple aim as your target and really focusing on how do we solve this capital P problem, this large problem um, for the United States and, you know, hopefully maybe the globe, maybe as we provide better quality, serious illness care using things like hospice, palliative care, home-based primary care, uh, care management for the complex population, we can truly have an impact. And, you know, more and more people will experience the beautiful services available to them, many of which are available through their Medicare benefit. And the last thing I'm going to ask you is this actually started several podcasts ago. And I'm like, I want to use that with all our guests now. What's maybe one or two of your favorite books and why? Yeah, so um, fairly avid reader and uh, often listening as I'm doing other things, spending the weekends now mostly on my tractor on our, our small farm that we're setting up. And um, a friend of mine referred me to a book, and I can't share the full title, but I, you know, I, I will say it, it was very eye-opening for me. Um, and it's called The Subtle Art of Not Giving A, and then there's an explicative that follows. Um, I was a bit turned off initially by the title, um, but I will say it, it sort of, for me, it was innovative because it caused me to spark and think differently. Um, and really what it was about is, you know, very common business practices, but being very conscientious of what do we carry with us? And if you only have got so much time and energy, what are you going to invest that energy in? So for me, it was very impacting, even given the title. Um, I felt thought it was a very good read. I'm also reading Three Vital Questions. Um, uh, in, in a couple of other books at the time. But again, that was probably the most impactful book that I've read in the last two months. Thanks, Chris. And thanks for taking the time today. And I want to thank our listeners for always listening. As always, I'll leave you with a quote. Uh, it makes you think about life itself, but also about our topic today. Today's is, it's actually by Susan Young. Reimagination is the birthplace for vision and change. Thanks for listening to TCN Talks.